This is ASHA Voices. I'm J.D. Gray. What can a mentor do for someone early in their career? According to speech-language pathologist and New York University faculty member George Castle, a lot. Castle teaches in the Communicative Sciences and Disorders Department at NYU. Also, he is a black male SLP. Black male SLPs make up only a little more than one-tenth of a percent of the profession. He shares memories of what it meant for him to see this reflected in his own mentor, Kenyatta Rivers, who died last month. He uh, let me know that I wasn't alone and showed me what it was to be successful both academically and professionally. Castle offers advice on how to start a mentorship, like the one he had with Rivers. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices. Support for ASHA Voices comes from ASHA's new resource, That's Unheard Of, featuring a variety of tools developed to help you with practice management, soft skills, and effective treatment. This online resource is available at thatsunheardof.org. For more than 20 years, Kenyatta Rivers served as a faculty member at the University of Central Florida. He died on May 7th. Rivers leaves behind a legacy that goes beyond research and teaching. The University of Central Florida College of Health Professions and Sciences has established a scholarship in his memory, citing his devotion to the school and saying, quote, Rivers served as a formal and informal mentor to a wide range of students in communicative sciences and disorders, end quote. Although not a student at UCF, one person who benefited from knowing Kenyatta Rivers is George Castle. Castle is a faculty member at New York University in the Communicative Sciences and Disorders Department. He serves on the board of directors for MBOSLA, the National Black Association for Speech, Language, and Hearing. He joins us now to talk about the role Rivers played in his life. We'll also discuss what Castle is doing to bring diversity into speech-language pathology. George Castle spoke with me from his home. When I was a student, shortly after I entered into a master's program, towards the, the middle, I would say, of my master's program, I met Dr. Rivers at a ASHA convention. We developed a relationship where he was genuinely interested in my success. And over the course of the last, I'd say 12, 14 years, we have kept in contact and he's basically shown me the ropes in terms of how to be successful as a speech language pathologist and most importantly, as a black male speech-language pathologist, which I think has its own set of issues and own set of barriers to success. I'm wondering if you could share any specific stories or memories you might have of of times that his guidance has helped you on a specific path or or maybe a time when, when you wish you would have taken his advice. Yeah, sure. He was a man of faith, and so he would always say, King George, King George, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. And it was something that I had come to expect. And anytime he saw me, I would look forward to seeing him at ASHA or at the Embasla conferences because he would always seek me out and have a conversation. And I had always come to enjoy and appreciate him praying for me at every given moment he could. And so it was something that I realized that he took this really seriously. So that was one thing that wherever I was, I know Dr. Rivers was praying for me. And whether or not you're a person of faith, it's not about the God you pray to, or it's really about the fact that somebody cares that much about you, that they would tap into something that they know could be politically not 
correct or politically not accepted, but they would go into what was important to them in order to help you to succeed. They would focus on that in addition to other ways. So both natural and supernatural, they were rooting for your success. And you talk about just the importance to know that someone is thinking of you and caring for you. What, what did that mean for you in your, in your personal and professional life? Well, it means that there's somebody that wants me to succeed. And I think that is something that is not universally shared among students of color and faculty of color, but it's somebody that wants you to succeed. And so with Dr. Rivers, on one level, he took it upon himself to describe the landscape of CSD. And what that did for me was really deepen my understanding of the structure of ASHA, the structure of the profession, and helped me to develop a big picture, but also to see where I fit within that picture. And so the value of mentorship there is that I can now orchestrate a plan to get to where I need to go. Oftentimes, individuals who are Black don't have that support, don't have that mentorship in order to craft a career. And they're sort of going blindly into these spaces, not knowing how to be successful or where they ultimately see themselves because, or even the possibilities that are out there because no one really has shown them the ropes, whereas their white counterparts or you know other groups have that mentorship system in place and it makes it more likely that they will be successful, whereas the black person feels like they're struggling alone. So he let me know that I wasn't alone and showed me what it was to be successful both academically and professionally. And I think that's really, really important. And there really is a blueprint for success, both academically and professionally, which again, isn't always shared with black people, but it's very, very important. You mentioned being a black man and an SLP and that Dr. Kenyatta Rivers, he was as well. We know Dr. Rivers was dedicated to promoting diversity in the field. What did it mean to you to see someone who is also a black man working as an SLP? Sure. A lot of times as a kid, we do things that we think are possible or we pursue things that we think are possible. So there are a lot of black athletes and, and growing up, you watch TV, you see a black basketball player, you see a black football player, and you look at them and you say, oh yeah, I wanna do that, that could be me. At a very, very young age, you start to see yourself in individuals that you're exposed to and you aspire to be them. Well, it's really, really important in a field that has approximately 93% uh, white uh, people, it, you don't see many black people. And so it's really important for you to see black people, to aspire to be them, to aspire to be a speech pathologist. And so meeting someone like a Dr. Rivers, where you see a black speech pathologist, you actually think this is possible. This is something that I can be. He looks like me. He's had uh, some of the same challenges that I've had or some of the same challenges that I will have. And he succeeded 
He's involved in so many different organizations that help to give quality or assure the quality of therapy. So you see all of the things that he does and he's successful and he's a black man. He looks like me. And so that's very encouraging because it helps me to see myself there and helps me to learn from his experiences in order to be successful. What kind of things did he share? What I've learned and what he's taught me is that there is a blueprint for success at every level. It's one challenge to get into a program. It's a totally different challenge to get out of a program, meaning to graduate. So from application to graduation, there are certain things that a student needs to do, and particularly a black student, that will enable them to be successful. So, you know, writing an admissions essay, who to ask for letters of recommendation, what kind of experiences you need to have in order to prepare yourself to undertake CSD, and how will that be viewed by the evaluators? So those are some of the things that he's taught me that I pass down to the people that I mentor. He taught me both academically what was important. He was not the only person, but there were other mentors as well. But he was one of the people that taught me just how these things are viewed from the uh, academic standpoint, from the professor evaluating the application. He taught me a lot of those things. And he also taught me in terms of being a professor what barriers I might have and what things I should prioritize in order to help prepare me to be the best professor that I can be. And so those are really, really valuable. And again, a lot of people don't get that advice. They don't get that advice and they don't understand how it might be different for black people as opposed to everyone else. Can you think of a, something he said to you that, that put you on the path that that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have taken? Sure. Well, actually, I can share some advice that he gave me that I did not take that I regret not taking. And you know, one of the things that he told me when I was in the doctoral program is don't try to save the world with one study. And it's something that I've come to learn. Research is a vast ocean and every study is like a drop in the ocean. Some drops are bigger than other drops, but you're not going to get the whole ocean in one study. So when you craft your dissertation, do not try to accomplish more than you think is reasonable for that stage in your career was basically his advice. I did not take that advice because, you know, I was interested in this large question and I wish that I would have picked the topic or at least picked a section of the topic and it would have been a lot easier to do. And so he said, you know, King George, he always referred to me as King George affectionately. King George, don't try to save the world with one study. Break it down. And when you get hired as a professor, then you can do the rest of that. You can establish a line of research where you investigate that. That can be your whole career. Don't feel like you have to accomplish all of these uh, goals in one study. And that is very, very valuable advice, especially for someone who is at the stage of a dissertation that's wondering, well, there are so many things I'm curious about. 
how do I find all of these answers to all the questions? And the answer is you don't have to find all of the answers at that stage. And it's something that I tell people that are at the dissertation stage, listen, pick a question. All you have to do is demonstrate this skill set and, and, and you will pass your dissertation. Did you ever get to talk to him about that you wish you would have taken the advice at the time? I did. I did. I did. He laughed. But at the same time, he also respected my autonomy. And, you know, he said, I was trying to tell you, but you just wanted to save the world. And it worked out. I graduated. My dissertation was well-received. We talked about the importance of having the, the visibility of another black male that's an SLP, that that was something that you could look to. But also, I think right now we're in the midst of a large national conversation about race. And if a white SLP is listening, they might be asking what they can do to help promote diversity within speech language pathology. And I'm wondering if you think a mentorship is a good route for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there, I I acknowledge that there are lots of people who want to help, who want to move us forward as a field, as a nation, as a country, and sincerely just do not know how. In fact, they think that they do not have anything to contribute. And I am of the opinion that everyone can contribute. You don't have to be a black person. You can be someone of any race or ethnicity. Everyone can contribute at the level that they're that, that they're in. If everyone mentored someone, then we would all move forward. And this is one thing that Dr. Rivers taught me. I believe in a one hand up, one hand down philosophy. That is, you should be receiving mentorship from someone that has more experience than you or someone uh, who you aspire to be like. And you should also be pulling someone up at the same time where you're giving your knowledge and experience to someone who has less knowledge and experience than you. And so a one hand up, one hand down philosophy, we all move up and everybody benefits from it, we all win. And so no matter what level you are, you don't have to be a PhD. You can have a master's degree. You can be a senior in college and there's a junior or sophomore or freshman that can benefit from what you've learned so far. Everyone at some point, even if you're a freshman, you can talk to the high school student about your experience, what you've learned so far in CSD. And so everyone on every level can take someone else with them. They can share uh, the experience, the lessons for success. They can share that with someone coming up, someone that's interested because it's valuable information. The, The reason why I got into the field of speech pathology is because there was a white man that actually introduced it to me and mentored me. And so I say that to say, you don't have to be black in order to mentor another black person. If you wanna know what you can do to help, mentor someone, anyone. Uh, But particularly, we know that black people uh, often are devoid of mentors. So if you wanna know how you wanna help a black person, 
mentorship is one way. Now, there are several other ways that we can help black people and several other systems that need to be addressed in order to ensure success. But something that everybody can do, no matter what the level is, is just mentorship. And, and how would someone go about maybe developing that mentorship, that relationship? Number one is making people aware that the profession exists and that everyone has an equal shot at success in the profession. So things that I've gone, I've done are I've gone to career days. I've gone to high schools. I've gone to professional conferences and I meet people there where in a structured way you can meet people and say, this is the field. This is what we do. You can also be more pointed in your recruitment where you go to places like a high school and speak to guidance counselors and say, are there students that are interested in these types of things? Are there students that are strong science students or students that are in the education field that don't necessarily know if they want to do education, but they want to do something that's similar? So you can really target students that might not have known about speech pathology and say, hey, I know you don't feel like you fit where you are. And this goes for high school students or undergrad students or even people that have degrees, graduate degrees. You can go to them and say, hey, I know you don't feel like you fit. Why don't you think about speech pathology? Here are the benefits. Here's how it relates. Here's how we can use your skill set. This is why you are valuable and we want you and you can succeed and I can show you how. And so um, pointed recruitment is one of the ways that we can help. You're a professor at NYU and so you have a large platform for, for helping people at the beginning of their career. And I'm wondering what other types of ways that you engage with these students to create those opportunities. Sure. So. One of the things that that we do, um, and it's a portion that I'm responsible for, is a networking event. And in this networking event, I recruit speech pathologists from various backgrounds with various experiences. And I have those speech pathologists have honest conversations with the students about what it's like to be a speech pathologist in their setting. So I focus on having every student be able to speak to someone who's in research, someone who works with adults, and someone who works with the pediatric population. And I have those students have conversations with, in a structured format, they get to have conversations and ask them, what's a day like for you? What kind of things do you wish that that someone told you when you were a student? to better prepare you for what you're doing now. What's the job outlook? How do I get a job in this field? This is the time where they get to ask these clinicians these crucial questions that you can't necessarily find in a textbook. This is real world advice and they get this mentorship or they get the beginning of a mentorship relationship. Oftentimes the uh, presenters keep in contact with the students and a relationship is formed, which may lead to a job after graduate school. So it's putting all of these people together in order to form these networks, in order to form these relationships. And that also includes 
an opportunity for professionals to meet each other as well. So I've had uh, people that were panelists form new relationships that they might not have normally found through this networking program. At the end of our conversation, I asked Castle about the moment we're in now. Following the deaths of many black people, and as of this recording, there's been weeks of protests and large demonstrations, and a national dialogue on race is taking place. I asked Castle if he's been thinking about the relationship between race and his role as an SLP and a professor at this time. Sure. So that is a large question with lots of parts, but I will make it succinct. I believe that this profession has to look at everything on every level. And what I mean by that is it starts from how are we getting students into the profession? Or the better question is, why are we not having more students of color in the profession? So that needs to be looked at. And then the other question is, once we have students of color, black students in the profession, what are we doing to support them? What are we doing to acknowledge their experience? And what are we doing to retain them in in order for them to graduate? That needs to be looked at. And while they're in the programs, what policies or procedures what impact does that have on them? Does a policy or procedure disproportionately affect a black person? When you look at issues of intersectionality, are there other things that contribute to a person's success and how does that interact with blackness? So gender, sexual orientation, et cetera, those are also pieces of the puzzle that might also add to it. So I think we need to look at all of those things and think about how life may be different for a black student versus everyone else. And what are we doing to support them? How are we bringing them through? What type of networks are we setting up? And what are we saying to the student in terms of belonging? Do they feel a sense of belonging? Do they feel like they belong there. So what's one thing to get into a program, but if I'm a black student, no one else looks like me or few people really understand my culture beyond what they see on TV. Do I really feel like I belong here? What kind of messages are being sent to me unintentionally? Because I do believe the vast majority of people mean well But when you tell me something that is specific to my blackness and you tell me, well, you need to change that or else you're not going to be successful here. What is that saying to me? What does that do to me as a person, as a clinician? So we need to look at those rules, policies, procedures that are disproportionately affecting African-Americans or black people. And how can we change that? so that everyone benefits or everyone thrives in a program, not just survives, because a lot of students survive a program, but how can we make it so that black students thrive in a program? Unintentionally, there have been many procedures, policies, beliefs 
that put black students at a disadvantage. So this is not now giving black students favoritism. This is just giving them equal footing because institutions have not been set up traditionally for their success. And so we need to look, take a deep, deep look at ourselves and think about, well, how do we ensure equal success for everyone? This is an issue that affects everyone. Oftentimes people don't do the work because it doesn't affect them or they think that it doesn't affect them. And I'm here to tell you it does. If there's a black student that feels like their voice is muted, then they don't interact with you the same. You don't achieve because you're not learning from each other. And that's part of this whole thing. And so everyone wins when everyone feels empowered. Everyone wins when, when, when that happens and everyone loses when the opposite happens. And so this affects you. This affects your institution. This affects the field of speech language pathology. If you feel that you can't be successful as a black person in speech language pathology, you might go to another field where you do feel like you're more successful. And we're losing a lot of people because of these stories where they hear that it's a hostile environment or they don't even try to apply because they think it's a hostile environment. So we need to think about um, just equal access, having everyone have equal footing and equal supports. And part of that is going back to mentorship, seeing people that look like them and that understand their experiences and are willing to share their knowledge and experience in order uh, for black people to succeed. Dr. George Castle, a professor at New York University. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me and having this conversation. ASHA's Office of Multicultural Affairs, or OMA, helps ASHA members address culture and language and diversity among professionals and those with communication disorders or differences. To learn more about what OMA is doing to help with issues such as diversity recruitment, visit ASHA.org and search for Multicultural. And I want to mention the University of Central Florida is establishing a scholarship in memory of Castle's mentor, Kenyatta Rivers. According to the UCF website, the scholarship will be awarded to those, quote, with an interest in mentoring others in the future, end quote. Donations are being accepted through the UCF website. We'll put a link on the web post for this episode at leader.pubs.asha.org. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from ASHA's new resource that's unheard of. This online resource has a variety of tools to help you with practice management, soft skills, and effective treatment. Learn more at thatsunheardof.org. Production assistance for ASHA Voices comes from Pamela Lawrence. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.